Well, it's good to see you, Gateway family. Hope everybody is doing well this morning. And what a great celebration we already had with Kira's baptism and singing our praises to the Lord. He is so worthy of praise. And just to see him transforming an individual's life and to get to celebrate that, we have much to rejoice in and be thankful for this morning already. I want you to find Ephesians chapter 6 in your copy of God's Word on your Bible app, on your phone there. We're continuing to look at our journey through the book of Ephesians and seeing God's amazing grace, what we're just celebrating in the baptism, His grace in pursuing us, His grace in adopting us, His grace in transforming us. We've seen God's wondrous grace on display. We've also been seeing in the last half of this book how we live because we've encountered the grace of God, how when we follow Christ, it changes us, it changes how we live. If you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. We're in the middle of a section of Ephesians that deals with home life. If we're a follower of Christ, how does following Christ, how does being filled with the Holy Spirit change how we relate to one another in our homes? Back before Easter, we spent two weeks looking at the, three weeks actually, looking at the husband-wife relationships, how in the home, God has designed the husband and wife to be a picture of Christ in the church. So the way husbands and wives relate is to help each other, to help the kids, to help the neighbors, to help your friends see how God loves the church and how the church responds to God. And in this beautiful picture, we saw the role of the husband to love his wife, to serve her with a servant Christ-like leadership. We saw the role of the wife to respect her husband's Christ-like leadership. And then last week, as we continue into chapter 6 of Ephesians, we began to look still at home life at the parent-child relationship. And we saw last week the role of the parents, the role of the parents to lovingly nurture their children's spiritual health. We saw this incredibly high calling the parents have to nurture their children's spiritual health, and that they will give an account before God one day for that. This morning we're continuing in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at those same verses as last week, but focusing this morning on the responsibility of the child. We focused on the husband's responsibility, we focused on the wife's responsibility, the parent's responsibility, and now we come to the child's responsibility in the home as God has designed it to be. The reality, friends, is every single one of us is someone's child. That means the reality is this text is for every single one of us. Every single one of us. Even if your parents have already passed on and are with the Lord, we still have a responsibility laid out in these verses as children to have a certain approach towards our parents. So as you look at Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, we're going to be in verses 1 through 4 again. And I want you to look as we read, what is the God-given responsibility of a child to his or her parents? What is the God-given responsibility that God has entrusted and called children to do towards their parents? parents. And it's going to look different if it's a child at home or if it's a child who's now an adult. But we'll look at both of those. But what is the responsibility of children to their parents, regardless of their age, regardless of what stage of life they are in? So to come to Ephesians chapter 6, can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. What a precious treasure we have that God has revealed Himself to us. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you have revealed yourself to us, that, God, you have given us your word. And, God, I pray today that we would treasure your word. Lord, every single one of us in this room is someone's child. And God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would show us from your word how this truth changes our lives. God, give us much grace to understand your word because, Lord, we want our homes, we want our attitudes towards our parents and towards one another to be what you desire them to be. Not because we're trying to gain your approval, but, God, because we already have it. 
because we already are your children. Lord, we now long to follow you. So give us much grace today to understand your word and how it transforms our life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So children of Gateway, whether you're four or 84, we're all someone's child. What is our truth today from Ephesians chapter 6? It's simply this. Children of all ages are to honor their parents as an act of worship to God. Children of all ages are to honor their parents as an act of worship to God. This is the calling on a four-year-old in the room. This is the calling on an 84-year-old in the room as well. It doesn't matter how old you are. We have a God-given responsibility to honor our parents and to do so not just because we're supposed to do it, but as an act of worship to our God, to our Savior, whose grace has been on display for us in all these chapters in Ephesians so far. Children of all ages are to honor their parents as an act of worship to God. So let's look at this responsibility that God has given to children. And let's start with that. So what is the responsibility that God has given to children? Let's go to verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Our responsibility, whatever age you are, is to honor your parents. Now, what does it mean to honor someone? Honor deals with both an attitude and actions. It's both attitude and actions. The Greek word here that we get the word honor from is the Greek word tamao. It's a Greek word that has kind of two different meanings. One of the Greek meanings of this is to value something, to treat something as precious to you, as a prize to you. That's the attitude of honoring. When it says honor your parents, you view your parents as precious to you. You value them highly. That's your attitude. But the word tamao in the Greek also is a word that means to love, to show respect, to show consideration. That's the actions of it. Your attitude of valuing your parents leads to outward expressions of love, leads to outward expressions of respect and consideration towards them. So honoring a parent means a child loves their parent, values their parent, thinks about their parents, and respectfully acts towards their parents. Now, this word honor here is an imperative in the Greek. That means it is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a better way. This is an imperative. This means this is a command from God that's given to every child, regardless of your age. You are to honor your father and your mother and your attitude and in your actions. But don't miss this here because we lose stuff in translations. The imperative of honor is a present tense imperative. That means it's ongoing actions. That means, guys, if you gave your mom a card on Mother's Day and honored her last year, you're not off the hook in obeying this command. This is not, you can do this once a year and you're okay. The word honor is present tense, meaning it's to be our day-by-day normal attitude, our day-by-day normal actions. Our ongoing day-by-day life should be one of honoring our parents, not just on Mother's Day and Father's Day, but all year long. There's something else really fascinating to me about this command is if you think through Ephesians, you think of all the commands we've seen so far. Are the commands we've seen singular or plural? What are the, most of the commands in, in Ephesians? Are they you singular or they us together, you plural? Which one? Together, plural. Most of the commands in Ephesians have been plural, all of us together. Paul switches it here to singular. Now, I know he's quoting the Old Testament, but when you quote from the Old Testament to the New Testament, they sometimes will change some wording around. He intentionally switches to the singular here, which makes this stand out to the hearers of the time that we kind of miss in this. After saying, even in the first verse, children, you all together obey your parents. Now he switches in verse 2 to you, yourself, you, make a decision to honor your parents. He's calling us to individual obedience, to in our own hearts, to seek God's grace in our situation to obey our parents. If you think about that, have you noticed the pattern God's laying out in his plan for the family? A husband is to value his wife and to express that value for his wife by humble, Christ-like servant leadership. A wife is to value her husband 
And she values her husband by encouraging his Christ-like leadership and respecting his Christ-like leadership. We saw last week that parents are to value their children. And they value their children by lovingly, gently, nourishingly caring about their children's spiritual health. And now, no surprise today, we come to what the teaching is for children is to value their parents. How do we value our parents? How do children do that? Well, it depends on what stage of life that they are in. Because as you age, as your parents age, how you honor, how you value, how you show this respect is going to change as you age and as your parents age. And we were going to look at that from several different life stages. So as we walk through how we honor our parents at different stages of life, we're eventually going to talk about the stage of life you are in right now. My encouragement to you is don't tune out the others. You may be thinking, okay, I'm not there anymore. I'm not there now. Don't tune it out because if you think about Ephesians, we're the body of Christ. We're to be unified. That means someone sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you is at a different stage than you're in. And they need your encouragement to live out this day-by-day command to honor their, their parents. They may need your equipping to help them do this if they're having a hard day with this. And so I want you to listen to all of the stages of life because God has put us together by his design at different stages of life for a reason so we can be the body of Christ and help one another find grace to live out this command. So how do we find God's grace to live out this command? How do we honor our parents at different stages of life? Well, let's start with the young ones. Let's start with children living at home. So how do children living at home honor their parents? We'll go back to verse 1 of this text. Children. Now, let's stop right there when you talk about this word. The word children here is, refer, is a Greek word that refers to children still living in the house. This is the kids who would be falling under what verse 4 was about last week, where fathers are to bring up their children in discipline and instruction. This is a term that's referring to those kids who are under the roof with their parents who are under their parents' discipline and instruction. Now, this is really huge for two reasons. Notice that Paul doesn't say, parents, go tell your kids this. He says, children. He's addressing the children directly. That means two things. One, that means the children are involved in the life of the church. And we don't want to miss this. It's not the kids that are off to the side, but they're involved in the life of the church. When Paul wrote this letter to the people at Ephesus, his, he was understanding that the kids would be in the room hearing the word of God read to them, being taught the word that he had sent to them. So the children would be involved in the life of the church. But also, by Paul addressing the children directly here, it means these children are old enough to understand for themselves what's being said and to make a decision of whether or not they're going to follow and obey this command or not. Therefore, the New Testament scholars say what is in view here with the word children would be children who are probably preschool age through late teens today or maybe early 20s. It's that range to where children are cognizant to be able to make a choice to obey or not obey. They're able to be involved in the life of the church to hear the reading of the word of God and they can make a choice of whether or not they're going to follow it or not. With that said, teenagers, you guys are in this group also. So you're in this group of people living under your parents' roof. Your parents are responsible for You hear the word of God, and you have to make a decision, will you follow it or not? So how do preschool, elementary age, and even teenage children living at home follow the command to honor their parents? Well, there it is in verse 1. Look at the very next word, children, obey your parents. Now, this is an important word because Paul changes words here. If you think back to chapter 5, he's talked about we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. But now he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, children, submit to your parents. Because submission is not a strong enough term for what Paul has in view here. He says children are to obey their parents. Not just submit, but to obey. What does it mean to obey? Well, the Greek word to obey is actually two different words that get mashed together to make a new word here. It's a word that means to be under someone. That's the first word, to be under someone. The second word is to listen to someone. 
And so the Greek word for obey is the combination of the word to be under someone and to listen to someone. So you push those together. Literally in the Greek, to obey means to hear under, to hear under someone. So I'm going to give you my definition of what that means for us today. Here's what it means for a child to obey. To obey is to actively listen to your parents' instruction with a desire and plan to follow it. To obey is to actively listen to your parents' instruction with a desire and a plan to follow what they say. It's active listening. is literally, in the Greek, to listen under someone. You are engaged in what your parents are saying with the heart desire and the will to do what they've asked you to do. That means that when our parents are talking to us, and if you're a child in the home, you're not staring at TV like, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, whatever. You know, you're supposed to be actively engaged with what your parents are saying, not just scrolling through. When your parents talk to you, don't just ignore them and tune them out. It also means you don't grumble and complain when they ask you to do something. You are actively engaged in what they've asked you to do, and you willingly, gladly make the choice to follow what they say with attentiveness and with eagerness as well. This is God's plan for the family. And so no surprise, Ephesians is not the only place that lays it out. Even in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, tells us this as well. Listen to how it addresses children again. My son, keep my words. And notice this, treasure up my commandments. Is that the image we normally think of obedience in the home? Treasure my commandments. He's saying, child, you need to treasure the commandments of your parents because your parents' commandments are not given to you for your harm but for your good. God gave your parents to protect you, to bless you. And so you're to eagerly, with treasuring it, follow their commandments. Look at verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 7. Keep my commandments and live. Similar imagery we'll see in a minute of the promise here. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. He's saying delight in the instruction of your parents. When your parents say, do this, don't do this, we're to see that as the apple of our eye. We're to delight in that. When you're a child in the home, under your parents' authority, you should delight in your parents' instruction. Then verse 3 of Proverbs 7 carries on. Bind them on your finger and write them on the tablet of your heart. Like we're to actively engage when your children in the home with your parents' instruction. The perfect model of this, friends, is Jesus himself who fulfilled every point of the law so he could be our perfect sacrifice on the cross. He perfectly obeyed as a child in the home every command that Mary and Joseph gave to him. And the consequences of disobeying is very serious and very real. Back to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. We looked at this last week, but I want us just to be reminded of it. Verse 2 in Ephesians 6. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, we talked more about that promise aspect of this last week, but let me remind us, particularly to teenagers and boys and girls in the room, when we choose to disobey our parents' instruction, we are taking ourselves out of the place of God's blessing. We're taking ourselves out of the place of God's protection that he's given to us. God's given parents the responsibility to nurture their children's spiritual health, and when a child chooses to disobey that, not treasure those commands, he or she is taking himself out of the place of protection and out of the place of blessing that God has provided, and that is very serious. In fact, it's so serious, I want you to see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where disobedience to parents falls. Timothy's describing this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. So he's describing as the world progressively gets worse before the time of Christ, before Christ returns, what it's going to be like. Well, verse 2, he starts to tell us what it's like. For people will be self, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and disobedient to who? Disobedient to their parents. And notice where this falls in. He's listing disobedience to parents under a whole like litany of sins here of self-love, of love of money, of materialism, pride, arrogance, even abuse. He puts 
disobedience to parents right alongside it. Ungrateful, unholy. Let's go on through verses 3 through 5 now. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Verse 4 carries on. Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I mean, he's puts, he puts disobedience on par with all of those other things. And notice verse 5, how he wraps it all up there. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. He's listing diso- willful disobedience to your parents. If you're a child in the home, unlevel all those things because it may appear you're godly, but you're denying godliness in your life. And he says this, avoid such people. Now, let me say a, a quick word to our children and teenagers in the room. He says avoid such people. Can I retranslate that for us as to choose your friends really wisely? To avoid such people doesn't mean you don't have any contact with them. But he's saying don't let yourself be put under their influence. Because you're going to follow the people you're around. And if you put yourself around a group of people who are living out the folly that we just saw laid out, it's going to influence you. So it's good for you to pursue relationships with friends who are not Christians so that you can teach them about Christ. But if you're putting yourself under their influence, if you yourselves are being led astray by them, be cautious. Avoid such people in that sense. So choose your friends wisely. So children living at home honor their parents by obeying by actively listening to their parents' instruction with a desire and a plan to follow it. Now, I need to give a big, big qualification here. You never have to obey if it's sin. This is not a universal thing that every word your parents say you have to do. Well, you have to unless it's a sin, unless it's contrary to the word of God. Now, guys, it's not a sin for your parents to make you clean your room. It is not a sin for your parents to make you eat the broccoli on your plate. It is not a sin for you to have a curfew that you have to honor. Those things aren't sinful. You may think they're unreasonable, but your parents are not sinning when they say you have to be in at 10 o'clock or no, you can't go on that trip or you have to go pick up your toys in your room or whatever. That's not a sin. But if what your parents says contradicts the clear word of God, not your feelings, not your impression, but what the word of God says, you're never bound to follow. Even though your parents are your authority, you're not bound to follow them if what they say contradicts the word of God. You never have to follow them into sin. You never have to follow them when it contradicts God's clear will for you or for your life or how God has laid out how we're to live. Why? Because the authority your parents have is not an ultimate authority. It is a delegated authority. Just like we saw with the role of husbands, they have a delegated authority to shepherd their family. That's not an authority where they can just go boss their wives around. It's an authority to shepherd. Your parents have an authority to nourish your spiritual health, to take care of you. Is an authority to be used by God for his purposes. And if their authority contradicts God's ultimate authority, you're bound to the higher authority of God. Now, what do you do if you find yourself in that situation? None of you may be in that situation, but what if you are in that situation or has a friend in that situation whose parents are asking them to do something contrary to the clear word of God? Well, I think we have an example in Acts, not of having to wrestle with parental authority, but you have Peter and John wrestling with being given an order from the government that they cannot obey. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18, you have Peter and John being drugged before a religious council because the whole city is in uproar because of what's happening with the gospel, changing people. Peter and John are being faithful to share the gospel with people, and the religious leaders do not like that. So here's what it says in Acts four eighteen. I think it's a great model of how we approach a situation where there's an authority telling us to do something contrary to the word of God. So they called them, that's Peter and John, and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So now the authorities tell them to do something contrary to what God's word clearly says. That's even what we read this morning at baptism. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now the authorities are saying, no, no, you can't do that in our city. You cannot make disciples of Jesus here. So how do you respond when the authority that God put over you tells you not to do something that contradicts God's word? Well, Acts 4, 19 and 20 shows us a great model of this. Again, not parental, but I think it shows us a heart's response. But Peter and John answered them, 
whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, in verse 20, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Notice they're not yelling at them. They're not arguing. They're not being problematic here. with They're very graciously saying, in a kind, submissive way, my conscience is bound to God, and I cannot help but do what God has told me to do. With much humility, with much gentleness, without yelling back at the authorities. They're not shaking their fists and going, you can't tell me what to do. That's wrong. They, in gentleness and humility, say before these authorities, who could really have them killed, say before them, you have to be the judge, but we are bound to God and we must do what is right. You see a model of individuals under authority very respectfully, graciously, following, not following the authority because it contradicted God's word. Children living at home show honor to their parents by obeying. Well, what happens when that child grows up? What do you do when a child grows up? Well, there's two things here. We need to address single children who've grown up and married children who've grown up. And let's start with the married children. If you are a married adult, what is your responsibility? How do you honor your parents now that you're a married adult? Well, virtually every Bible scholar says that married children no longer have to obey their parents. Married children no longer have to obey their parents. Go back just a few verses to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. He's quoting from Genesis here when he's laying out the, the mystery of marriage for us here. He says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What does it mean that he leaves? It doesn't mean he leaves the relationship. We'll see a little bit later that that's not at all what this is about. We're still to be pursuing relationship with our parents even when we're grown and out of the house. It's not meaning leaving the relationship. It means leaving being under their authority. You're leaving their authority, and you are now forming your own family accountable to God for what you're going to do as your family. You're leaving having to obey. You're staying in relationship, but you're leaving authority. You're leaving having to obey. Though you no longer have to obey, you are still required to honor your parents. There's a difference in obedience and honor. So back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Honor your father and your mother. That command never leaves you. Though you're out of the house, though you've left their authority... You no longer have to obey because you're not a child in the home. You now are still required to honor them. In fact, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler, this man who comes to him. And let's put it out there, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Behold, a man, this rich young ruler, comes to Jesus saying, Teacher, what must good deed must I do to have eternal life? We go on in the very next verse in verse 17. And he said to him, this Jesus talking, Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Now, remember, Jesus is not saying you can work your way to God. He's exposing to the rich young ruler how he's not going to be able to get to God on his own, how he can never satisfy the law perfectly to get to God. Well, then the very next verse in verse 18, he carries on here. And this is the rich young ruler talking now. Which ones? Which commands do I have to follow? Notice what Jesus tells him. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Ten Commandments here, by the way. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. And again, on in verse 19 there. One more verse there, Aaron. Four, there you go. Honor your father and mother. Jesus is talking to a grown man, not a child here. And he still holds out to this grown man, this rich young ruler. Then one of the commands that God still requires of him is to honor his father and his mother. No matter how old we are, we have a responsibility to always honor them. We don't have to obey them, but we have to honor honor them with our love with respecting them now what does that look like practically back to ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 honor your father and your mother how do you practically do that well he doesn't tell us he doesn't lay it out for us here in verse 2 but i would say how do you honor your father and mother go reread all of chapters 4 and 5 
got to think of everything that Paul has just told us about how we're to relate to one another in community with gentleness, with humility, not in anger, with I mean, just everything he lays out in terms of what it looks like to pursue a God-given relationship. That's how we honor our parents. We seek to live out by God's grace chapters 4 and 5 in our attitudes, in our words, in all these things. And I would just add as well, because it wasn't as much an issue at this time as it is today, that means still pursuing a relationship with your parents. Even though you're grown and out of the house, you still seek to pursue a relationship with them. Though it's different than when you were a child, you still seek to pursue that. You don't forget about them as you get older and they get older. So how do married adults honor their parents? Well, not by obedience anymore, but by continuing to pursue a relationship with them and treating them with respect, like chapters 4 and 5 lay out for us. Married adults honor their parents by continuing to pursue a relationship with them and living out Ephesians 4 and 5 in their attitude and in their actions. Now, I gave you a big qualification earlier for the young kids in the house. There's a big qualification here as well in terms of married adults relating to their parents. This does not mean you cannot lovingly and respectfully question or confront or correct if there's sin. Some people think that honoring means you just have to be silent and the other person can say whatever they want to do. No, no. Honoring in the Bible is you're caring about them. You're loving them. You're respecting them. You want what's best for them. You want God's best for them. It is not honoring to your parents. If you see them in sin, you see them outside the will of God, and you sit by passively going, oh, they're my parents. I can't do anything about it. The most loving thing to do is with humility and gentleness, living out what we saw in Ephesians, go to them about what you see. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We looked at this, you know, a while back. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, this is a command for all of us. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Remember from a while back when we got to that verse, Speaking the truth in love means we're to proclaim the gospel to one another. We're to help one another see the gospel and understand who Christ is. We're to truth in love here. If your Bible's like mine, there's no asterisk there next to that. And if you go to the bottom, it doesn't say, unless it's your parents. There's no footnote there that says, in the body of Christ, you're to truth in love with one another. Unless it's your parents, then you need to be quiet. There's no footnote here for it. This is the pattern for all relationships in the body of Christ. Between friends, between elders and congregation, the congregation and elders, between elders and deacons. Like, it doesn't matter if we're in the body of Christ. Our response to one another is we're to truth one another in love. That means we honor our parents when we, with humility and gentleness and graciousness, truth and love into their lives as well. Likewise, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, we've looked at this before in other texts. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, just a big word for sin there, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Asterisk, unless it's your parents. It's not there. This is the pattern for all relationships. If you see someone living in sin, and we talked about this when we looked at some other texts, you are not loving them if you see them in sin and keep quiet. You're not loving a person. You're not honoring a person. If you see the enemy tempting them and they're falling prey to it, and you sit by passively going, hey, it's not my job. That's not love. That's not honor. That's really hating someone to see them being hurt and not do anything about it. We have a God-given responsibility in all of our lives to speak the truth in love to one another, to seek to pursue those who are struggling with sin, not as one who has it figured out. It says that in that part of verse 1. Keep watch on yourself. As you should be tempted. In humility, we don't come above people. In humility, we come alongside other people as people who need help as well and say, we're in this together. Let's help one another walk out our calling to walk worthy of the gospel. Honoring your parents does not mean you cannot lovingly and respectfully question, confront, or even correct biblically as needed. That means even parents 
Will you, that we talked to you last week, parents, are you willing to receive that from your children? Are you willing to humble yourself and let your children speak into your life? Friends, you heard me say this before, but my kids are eight, six, and two, and when they come to me and say, Daddy, I think you were angry about that. It's really humbling because it's easy to want to get back. That's not your role to tell me what to do. But I need to be willing to receive, even from my two, six, or eight-year-old, say, Daddy, you were angry, to be able to pause and go, you were right, that was a sin. Thank you for bringing that. Are we at a place, parents, where we're even cultivating in our house humility to where our children have the freedom to lovingly be able to come do what God has called them to do, and that is to help restore us when we ourselves are struggling? Because every single one of us, self-included, struggle with sin. Back to what we're looking at in Ephesians 6 this morning. Children who are now married adults honor their parents by continuing to pursue a relationship with them and treating them with respect. Okay, well, what do you do if you're an adult who's single? Now, this is a different group now. What do you do if you're an adult who's single? How do you honor your parents? Well, there's been some dangerous teachings over the years, and I don't think it's a gateway anywhere, but there's been some dangerous teaching that says until a, particularly a lady marries, she's under her parents' authority. And that's nowhere found in the Bible here. I love Jim Neuheiser. He describes it this way. He says, we believe the Bible requires single adults to honor their parents. The Bible also teaches them to be independent and responsible for their own choices. So single adults who are outside the house now, who are not under their parents' authority, you have a responsibility, a calling to honor your parents, but you don't have to obey your parents either once you're a grown adult, even if you're not married. Where do we get that from? Because you don't need my opinion. Where do we get that from biblically? I want you to see a few texts this morning. Numbers chapter 1, verse 3. Go back to Numbers. For 20, from 20 years old and upwards, all in Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. So there's a paradigm here, even in the Old Testament, that when someone hits 20 years old, they are now off to war. They're not under their parents' house anymore. They're not under their parents' authority. They've been, even if their parents don't want them to go to war, they've been sent out to war anyway because that's the plan for the nation. 20 years old was that cutoff for them, at which time they are now under the the authority of someone else besides their parents. Numbers chapter 32, verse 11. This one's also fascinating. This is the context of when God is giving the land to the people and the spies go in and they come back out, and the people get freaked out by it. That's my paraphrase translation of it. They get freaked out by it and say, we can't do this, and they're unwilling to believe the report of the spy. So God judges his people. And notice his judgment. Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from, notice the age here, 20 years old and upwards, shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. So notice this. The children under age 20 at the time, even if their families did not believe, they're not held accountable for that. They're still given a chance to follow and be able to go in the land. It's the ones who are 20 years old and up who are told, you can't have the land because you, the implication here is you have the ability under not your parents' authority, but your own authority to believe or not believe. And you can't blame that on your parents now. Hey, I was just doing what my parents went along with. No, sorry, you're 20 years old. You had to make a choice and you chose to disbelieve and you're now held accountable for it. So you see the same thing there. John chapter 9, verse, 20, verse 21. Really famous account here of a blind man. God, Jesus gives sight to him, and the religious leaders are really, my paraphrase here, very ticked off that the blind man can see again. And so they call in the blind man's parents to ask, how does this man see now? They're trying to figure out what's going on. They want to stop Jesus. And this is what his parents answer. But how he sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. This man, though he's blind and probably not married either, is no longer under his parents' authority. When the religious leaders ask him or ask the parents about it, they say he's of age. He is accountable before God, before others. He's not under our authority anymore. And then finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. 
is when Paul is encouraging people with the gift of singleness to operate according to that gift. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. This is to the single person. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. Again, the implication of this verse is very clear for us that an unmarried adult, not under their parents' authority, is accountable to the Lord and the Lord alone. They're not accountable to their parents anymore. They're now as a single adult accountable to the Lord. I love it. You know I love John Piper. I love how John Piper says it. He says, The church must sound the trumpet for young adults that Christ is Lord of their lives and they are not dependent upon mom and dad for ultimate guidance. The church must sound the trumpet for young adults that Christ is Lord of their lives and they are not dependent upon mom and dad for ultimate guidance. For ultimate guidance. Therefore, single adults follow the same pattern as married adults. And they honor their parents by continuing to pursue a relationship with them and treating them with respect. doesn't matter if they're married or not. Single adults can still pursue a relationship with their parents and treat them with respect, like we see in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. Another stage for us, what happens when you and your parents are elderly? How do you honor elderly parents on this one? Well, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4 up on the screen. How do you honor elderly parents? But if a widow has children or grandchildren... Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Children with elderly parents honor their parents by making sure their needs are met. Children with elderly parents honor their parents by making sure their parents' needs are being met. In fact, this is what Jesus himself modeled. John chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus is on the cross at this point. In John 19, 26, he looks out and he sees his mother. He sees Mary right there. And he sees a disciple whom he loved. That's John standing nearby to her. And he looks at his mother. And so on the cross, Jesus cries out, woman, which was not, it sounds disrespectful to us today. That's not at the time. It was a very culturally appropriate greeting. Woman, behold your son. And then verse 27, look at what happens when this, then he said to the disciple, this is a John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple, John, took her, Mary, to his home. One of the last things Jesus does on the cross is make sure his mom's needs are met. Scholars believe by this point, Mary's probably in her 40s, and she's already been widowed. If she wasn't widowed, this command wouldn't have been necessary. But Mary is already now a widow. At the time, widows had very little hope of sustenance or survival. So what Jesus does, he honors his, his mom, though she's not elderly in the way we think of it, as a widow. He honors her by making sure her needs are met before he dies on the cross. In fact, we're not going to look at it today, but if you want to read it later, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus judges the Pharisees for this very thing because they fail to honor their parents. They fail to meet their parents' needs, and they claim, oh, we're going to use this for our own good, for religious purposes, and Jesus condemns the Pharisees for not caring for the practical needs of their elderly parents. Children with elderly parents honor their parents by making sure their needs are met. We go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. One more last category, just a moment here. Honor your father and mother. What do you do if your parents have passed away? You're not released from this command, even if your parents pass away. Because this command stays in your life. You can honor your parents even when they have going on to see the Lord and the way you talk about them as you honor their legacy, as you remember them, as you're thankful for them, as you teach the generations to come of their influence and your life. You honor them forever, as long as you live. Children of all ages are required to honor their parents. But why, friends? Why do children in the home honor by obedience? Why do married children honor, not by, by obedience, but by pursuing relationship and respecting them? Why do single adults honor their parents, not by obedience, but by pursuing relationship and respect them. Why do we do this? Go back to verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Don't miss that phrase, in the Lord. We do this as an act of worship. Children honor their parents, yes, because it's right, 
but more so because as followers of Christ, we want to worship the Lord. We are worshiping the Lord and how we honor our parents. When we honor our parents, we're saying, God, yes, we believe your plan for family is best. God, we want your grace to follow you. Therefore, when we are honoring our parents, we're obeying God and we are worshiping him. I want to remind us, friends, it's so important. We do not obey this command to gain God's favor. We obey this command because we already have God's favor. We're not doing these things because we're somehow trying to get God to be pleased with us. We're doing this because God already is pleased with us. Christ has already died as our sacrifice. All of our sin has already been put on Christ, and all of Christ's righteousness has already been given to us. And so not to gain God's favor, but as recipients of God's favor, we now seek grace to do this. We now seek, as people overwhelmed by His grace, as people who have a desire in our hearts that He gives us to walk worthy, as people who have His Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we now have a longing to please the Lord because He already is pleased with us. And so we respond seeking grace to obey as an act of worship. And friends, if there's areas in your life where you realize you're not honoring your parents as you, as you should, there's two dangers you must avoid. One is despairing, going, I can't do that. If God calls us to do it, God gives much grace to do it. Remember, this comes after he's taught us about being filled with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit within us, there is much grace to obey even things we've struggled with in the past. The other danger, though, is just to work harder. You hear me say all the time, it's white-knuckle determination. This is not a call to, oh, I need to honor my parents more. I'm going to try more. I've got Mother's Day coming up and Father's Day coming up. I'm going to get it right this year. This is not a call to work harder at this. This is a call to run to Christ, to understand His grace and His love for you, to seek to be filled with His Holy Spirit, to ask for grace, and to let Him transform us so our lives are lives that seek to serve people around us, including our parents, to seek to honor people around us, including our parents. Friends, children of all ages or to honor their parents as an act of worship to God. So for our older boys and girls in the room, is that your desire? Are you so walking with Christ, knowing Christ, that, there, that he has put a desire in your heart to obey because you know you're worshiping him when you obey your parents? Teenagers, I hear so many of you talk about how you love pursuing Jesus and you love the youth camps coming up and these D-Now experiences where you've met with God. Is your encounter with God so real that he has put a desire in your heart to obey your parents, even when it doesn't make sense to you because you know that God is protecting you through them? Are you longing to, as an act of worship to God, obey, obey your parents, even when it's not what your friends are encouraging? Adults, whether you're a married adult or a single adult, are you seeking to pursue a relationship with your parents still? Are you seeking by God's grace to still honor and respect them and love them? And if you have elderly parents, are you seeking to make sure their needs are met? Children of all ages are to honor their parents as an act of worship to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for the family is your idea. The God, that you are the one who created the home. You're the one who created marriage. You're the one who created children. God, this is your plan. And Lord, thank you for not leaving us to devise our home lives, whatever we want to do or whatever we try to come up with on our own. God, you've revealed it to us. So Lord, I pray for myself and for each of these precious brothers and sisters that we would have much grace to keep growing in what you've called us to do. For husbands to love their wives well like Christ loved the church. For wives to just greatly encourage their husbands to step into Christ-like leadership. For parents to lovingly nurture their kids. And for children, regardless of what stage of life, to have a desire in our hearts to honor you. Lord, would you give us that type of fruit of righteousness that doesn't come through our self-efforts, that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come fill each of our hearts afresh today. That you would open our eyes to ways we need to grow in how we treat our parents to grow in how we treat our husbands and wives and children. Would you keep stretching us, Lord, because you love us. And we know you pursue us, not to make us miserable, not to break us, but you pursue us to help us understand more of who you are and how we're to live for you. 
Lord, I'm convinced the more that we seek your grace to live out these things, the more Lord, it'll stand out in this world. Okay, we live in a world where the elderly really aren't valued and are kind of shelved and pushed to the side, and yet you've called us to honor our parents. We live in a world to where children and teenagers are really encouraged to rebellion by their peers, by media, by music, and yet you call them to obey. And Lord, we know as we seek your grace to do these things, Lord, that the light that shines forth will be very bright when children obey their parents, when older children honor their parents, when parents nurture their children. When we seek to do things like this, it will be so different, Lord. I pray that the lost around us would take notice, not for our sake of being noticed, but Lord, for your name's sake, or for your glory, for your, your kingdom advancing. So Lord, would you take each of our homes and would you redeem our homes to be a place where the gospel of God is on display for all to see, that our husbands and wives, that our children, that our neighbors, our friends might see the difference Christ has made and they will long for it themselves. Lord, we know as we pursue that by your grace, Lord, we'll find much joy in that journey. God, you will give much grace and you'll get great glory. So we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song?